0: This is a podcast from The Samplecast, Volume 3, Episode 70.
1: The Samplecast.
0: Hello, I'm Reuben Cornell. Welcome to Episode 70 of The Samplecast. It's great that you can join me and it's been quite a week i don't know if any of you lot are following vi control or facebook or any of the drama all about hands in the strings and my reviews and various other bits and bobs but there's been a lot of chat on there and a lot of uh, drama and controversy but i'm gonna try and make head and tail of it in this week's podcast and condense a lot of that information in this week's show so we have a review of hands in the strings We've also got, of course, the uh, freebies and developer updates and news and all of that sort of stuff as well that will be coming later on in the show. Also later, there's an interview from composer Stephen Letness, who is going to chat about some of his challenges being a blind composer and also plug his Able Artist Foundation, which is a really fantastic organisation geared up to providing services and products for legally disabled people in the US and all over the world. So uh, do head to the Able Artist website to get more information about that. After this show I'll be off for a few weeks but you can still get in touch, you can send me lots of rude emails about my reviews. You can do that via the uh, SampleCast website at thesamplecast.com or you can tweet me at thesamplecast or you can go via Facebook or you can just email me direct samplecast at gmail.com it'd be lovely to hear from you good news or bad news i don't care give me something to read that would be great so let's get on with this week's show roundup So, although it's been a week for big new releases, let's start off with a small but fun library. And why not? It's not all about massive tentpole products on this show. This is two French horns from Ross Sampson at Wave Runner Audio. It's a 700 megabyte library which samples two horns playing in unison. And they've sampled true legato, sustained staccato, and marcato articulations running in the full version of Contact 5.6 and above. And you know what? It sounds really nice. And it's only £29 at the moment. Do check it out at the Wave Runner site. Next up, Trailer Expressions 2, the Boom Experience. This is almost twice as big as the previous Trailer Expressions library from Sample Logic. You've got nine gigabytes of content here with 1,775 FX audio files. And this takes some of Boom Library's bigger sounds and also a lot of their unreleased samples and loads them into a versatile contact engine. The main engine change this time around is that you can change the individual sounds within each contact patch, not just the entire patch like before, so that's a bonus. I did help to put together the walkthrough video for this, do check the link in the show notes for more demos and details. UVI have got a new synth instrument out, this is USQ-1. It runs on their own player or Falcon and comes complete with 400 patches consisting of 268 waveforms. It recreates a very 80s sound from a particular digital workstation. There's lots of onboard effects here and a dual oscillator engine. I haven't had the chance to play with this but uh, I'm a massive retro synth buff so I can't wait to have a go. There's more info at the link in the show notes. A new one from Cine Tools Now, and there's not much to say about it apart from they always put out great trailer and effects content, and this is another good example of that with over 1,000 sounds in a nine gigabyte collection. It's full of fresh new content for scoring thrillers and suspense projects. For a full rundown of everything included in the pack and all the different types of sound, do click the link in the show notes. I've been keeping my eye on this next library for a little while now. It's a dual voice orchestral rompler for the full version of Kontakt 5.7 and above and it's called Orchestrata from Audio Reward. It's a digital orchestra designed to take basic orchestral tones and twist them into unrecognizable digital versions. It's got different section sizes and articulations and the basic orchestral sounds, although they won't fool anyone in their authenticity, once you've run them through the full effects engine there are some great ways to mash up the sounds. There are over 100 snapshots here, 1,700 samples, and it's a really interesting concept. Do see what you think at the Contact Hub website. And I'll finish off with two different pianos that are released this week. The first one is a sampled Steinway C from Light & Sound. It's called Concert Grand. It runs on the full version of Contact 5.7.3 and above. And it's got 12 different mic options from Decca to Ribbon and also Rear Mics. There's plenty of options there. Many of these positions also have adjustable width and panning. There are options here for pedal release and resonance. I'd not heard of this company before this week, but after listening to the demos, I do think this piano sounds really quite sexy. More info at the Light and Sound website. Mike from Cine Samples has logged off Twitter for a couple of minutes this week to release a new piano library. This is Cine Piano. It's a nine-foot concert grand sampled at Sony's MGM stage. It uses the same recording techniques as their Piano in Blue library, which remains a big favourite of mine. This runs in contact Player 5.6.8 and above, and it's about 10 gigs in size and has four distinct characters, utilising the many different mic positions on board. It's also Cine Samples' first fully NKS compatible library. I haven't. the chance to try it out yet but it does sound really gorgeous from the demos and i'm very interested in the re-pedaling modeling and the uh, different mic perspectives do check it out at the cine samples website This month's composer interview is a very special one. It's with a chap called Stephen Letness, he's a composer and he contacted me a few months ago because he wanted to try and get his uh, artist foundation off the ground and he was asking advice and uh, seeing whether I could divulge a few of my contacts which I was more than happy to do. I'll give you a bit more information about this. He's been working in films and TV for years But uh, he's a bit different to many composers that I've featured on the show and even many composers that I've met in that he's blind. So he'll be chatting about how he uses music technology as a blind person and the challenges that he's overcome along the way.
2: Hey there, I'm Stephen Letnis. I am a composer from Minneapolis, Minnesota. I've done about 100 films, a lot of shorts, bunch of documentaries, several features, some for Sony Pictures, we've won a few awards. The one I'm really proud of is a short film we did last year, a dark comedy called Lady Lillian, won the Bill Murray Comedic Shorts Award. So getting a nod from Dr. Rankman himself was pretty darn cool. I've gotten to work with a lot of cool actors, like Eric Roberts, who's, gosh, he's... He's like William H. Macy. He's he's his own William H. Macy. He's Eric, he's the Eric Roberts of Eric Roberts. He's been in everything. But he played Santa in Santa's bootcamp for Sony Pictures, Storm Reed, who is in A Wrinkle in Time, Erica Bierman, Hunger Games, Rectify, this really cool show on Sundance Channel. She's in the next Mark Wahlberg film. I'm doing a film with her right now called The Shoes, as well as Kelly Spaney, who's also in The Shoes. Kelly is Amara? Can't remember her name, but she's one of the leads in Pacific Rim 2 Uprising. I'm also an associate producer on a film called Blues Man with Danny Glover, James Earl Jones, Malcolm McDowell. I twisted the producer's arm a little bit as I gotten to know him. I convinced him to let me go out and hire people with disabilities to do certain jobs on the film. They said, okay, so so that is gonna be fun to give people who don't normally get to work on sets or in the background, above the line, below the line, in the office, whatever it is. Uh, my job is to find people to fill those roles that otherwise would be filled by able-bodied people. Yeah, it's just working on inclusion, inviting people, in, inviting everybody in. Disability is a part of diversity and that's kind of a big topic in Hollywood right now. I also serve on the board at Microsoft that addresses accessibility issues for the customer experience with Windows 10. Thank you Ruben for giving me this opportunity to come on and talk a little bit about my music and about my foundation and the work I'm doing because I think it can benefit a lot of people who listen to your podcast. Although I've loved film music all my life, I didn't get into doing it until my early 30s. I'd always done solo piano stuff. I put out a bunch of albums, modern classical albums. I grew up loving Rachmaninoff and Tchaikovsky and Chopin, and I took those influences and added a little aggressive modern flair—not contemporary stuff, uh, but aggressive stuff. You know, it, it allowed me to get into some of my death metal roots, black metal roots, and put that with some late 19th century stuff to create some different solo piano stuff. So it wasn't until my early 30s where I really got into this and I honestly didn't think I could do it. I wanted to learn, but I didn't think time would be on my side, not because I was in my early 30s, but because I'm legally blind. I was born with retinitis pigmentosa and later diagnosed with macular degeneration. So I've never been able to drive. You know, I I jokingly say that I can kind of see all the things I can't do. And as we've heard a lot from VI Control and Scorecast podcasts, a lot of people are saying, hey, time is on on your side in this business as a composer. You got to get moving. And just as a low vision individual, some stuff just takes me longer. But very early on, I got thrown into some projects where I didn't have a lot of time. So it forced me to solve problems. It forced me to figure out ways to tackle the projects that I was given. In other words, put up or shut up regardless of your disability, can you deliver? And that's what I love about this business. So I've been doing this for about six years as a Site Challenge person. I already have all the accessibility tools that I need to function as a working composer. It is my day job. When I say accessibility tools, that means a few things. It means I use Windows 10 Magnifier. I use screen readers. iPads and iPhones are paramount for text to speech. But in truth, it's a lot like what you ladies and gentlemen do. It's workflow. It's maybe using a template, understanding GUIs, everything being done with macros, keystrokes, it's memorizing where everything is. I mean, how often do you actually read what's in Logic or Cubase or Pro Tools? I mean, we, we all know where this stuff is. It's just understanding that and memorizing that is at a premium in my case, because I have to compete with all of you as far as time goes, right? So that's what it means. It's Again, problem solving. Being legally blind is just another challenge. But apparently when I go to the bars with friends, I'm wicked good at darts. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> Being legally blind has affected my music. I mean, how could it not? It's an experience. It just lasts a really freaking long time. <laughs> But come on, I mean, it's experiences that affect my music, it's meeting people that affects my music. Being sight challenged is so low on the list, but it did have an adverse effect for quite a while because when I was diagnosed with macular degeneration in my 20s after already living with retinitis pigmentosa all of my life, I, you know... I totally went full Resner. I mean, it was a downward spiral for years and I ended up quitting music for five years. I mean, who does that? It was was silly, but what are you gonna do about it? I often get asked the question, so can they fix it? Can they fix you? Or what's the latest science say about a cure? And I just tell them, I don't care. You know, I'm not gonna spend my life waiting for other people to make things better for myself that's on me. Disability or no, that's on me. And if I'm being completely honest, life didn't really start clicking until after I accepted, I have a disability. I need help. I need to ask for help sometimes. And the cool thing is, is most everybody likes to help. I mean, people like to feel good. And if they don't know how, they're putty in your hands. You just... Tell them how to help you. And more often than not, they're thrilled to do it. That's that's pretty cool. I mean, that everybody wins. I've started up another day job, which is I started a nonprofit called Able Artist Foundation. And this is a, well, a part of it, I think, could help a lot of people who listen to this podcast and to friends of people who listen to this podcast. As I have been achieving higher degrees of success in this business, I have always wanted to find a way to give back. How can I help people like me, people with a disability who want to express themselves either as a hobby, doing production music, doing film music, uh, making albums, whatever it is, I wanted to find a way to give back. So Able Artists Foundation, it's brand new, like it's a month old, but we have two programs. One is localized to the Minneapolis-St. Paul area of Minnesota you could look at it as a record label for people with disabilities. So we identify talented people with disabilities who don't have the money to go into the studio, and we give them carte blanche. We let them do whatever they want. Do they want uh, producers? Do they want studio musicians? Do they want an orchestra? We get it to them. The other program is something that is international, and that is, if you are a person with a disability who is on government assistance, In the United States, we call it SSI or SSDI. In the UK, it's PIP, ESA. I think there's a DLA. I'm learning all of this as as I go. But if you're on government assistance, you have a disability, come to ableartist.org. Register with us because we have a discount program where all of our corporate partners agree to give our members 50% scholarships, 50% discounts on all of their products. Companies we know. This is CineSamples, Samples, East West, Orange Tree Samples, Impact Soundworks, Sound Iron, Realitone, Sound Dust, Centurial, and more. Many others are signing up. So if you are on government assistance or you know somebody who is because of a disability, tell them about us. We want to help. There are tens of millions of people who can benefit from this. Our organization can support them. If you are a vendor, if you are a company who creates sample libraries, educational products, whatever it is, check us out, consider partnering with us. So long as you agree to providing our members with 50% discounts, come on board. We'd love to have you. So check us out, ableartist.org. If you have questions, email info at ableartist.org. Home is where the heart is. I'm sharing this piece. It's not my latest and greatest. It's from a little while ago, but I'm sharing it because I'm proud that this was the first piece where I honestly felt like I understood how to use melody, how to use motifs for characters, when to bring them in, when to take them out. It was for a silent film, so it's not typical underscore. It's a little quirky, um, it's a little sugary sweet at times, but I'm okay with that, we've all had to do it. And uh, yeah, I'm just I like, I like what I learned from this film. I used East-West stuff, uh, Hollywood Strings, Hollywood Brass, Hollywood Winds. I used Cineperk, little Tina Guo, legato cello. I think that's about it. And then I gave it to my record label guy, Alzee Ramsey, who did a quick mix for me. I'm, it's not a skill I'm good at. I'm, I'm not good at mixing. And I asked him, and he said he used Altverb Manchester setting, I think it is. And he used a little Valhalla on it with a little uh, tape saturation. I hope you dig it. Thank you very much, Ruben, for this opportunity to come on to your show and share, again, a little bit about the music, but more importantly for me right now, what my foundation is doing and how our aim is to support people with disabilities out there. Thank you, everyone. Take care.
0: So there's no getting away from it. The release and reception of Spitfire's Hans Zimmer Strings has been a bit of a roller coaster over the last week or so. So before we dive into this review, here's a ton of fun for my absolutely favorite Hans Zimmer score. And I'm not even joking. Hello everyone. With this review, I'm looking at the first release of Hans Zimmer Strings. This is version one of the library. It's 183 gigabytes running in a brand new engine from Spitfire. There are 147 techniques here with shorts, longs and effects, up to 26 microphone positions and a total of 344 players. Now I'm not going to go too much into the specific statistics of this library beyond that as there's a lot of other stuff to cover in this review. So you can find out all the stats, Spitfire put those together on their website with the usual video walkthroughs and you can also download the manual there as well. So first off let's have a listen to some of my favourite patches and mic positions. Before I get into the good and bad points of this library, I want to talk for a minute about the concept of it. Prior to release, one of the main marketing points is that this is a library which Hans Zimmer has helped to develop. Now to me this is somewhat of a snapshot of Hans Zimmer at a particular time in his career, most notably around the time of scoring Dunkirk I would say, although uh, feel free to correct me on that. As such, I don't think it represents an all-encompassing catalogue of every string technique he's ever used. For example, there's not really anything which can do Pirates of the Caribbean or Dark Knight shorts right out of the box. So for this library to make sense to me, I'm considering it to be more like a big Spitfire collection and really taking Zimmer's name out of the picture. Sorry, Hans. So that's how I'm going to judge this library in the most part. So first up, how does it sound? As to be expected with Spitfire products, the sound is pretty special. The softer articulations are the outright winners here and it's been fun to hear variations on Air Studio's normal setups, like Super Flortando playing from up in the balcony and that just sounds really lovely. There are many, many mic positions here, up to 26 for some instrument groups, and it's a pretty wet sound overall. You're going to get the drier sound with a combination of close and spot mics, but even then there's a lot of hall reflections. Personally I don't mind that, a bit of baked in ambience is all good as far as I'm concerned, but this might be an issue for some people. Comparing it to Albion 1, this collection of strings has a bit more bite to the short samples, especially at high velocities. Because of the larger number of players, the long sounds smoother. However, I do think they sound a bit too smooth in some cases as they start to take on a bit of a synthetic vibe if you're not careful with how you use the mic positions. If you look at the marketing blurb for this library, you'll see that Christian Henson says that some of the more unusual articulations here take on a fresh beauty due to the number of players and the method of recording. I'd not entirely agree with that, but there's certainly some lovely sounding articulations here. However, I was constantly reminded of other Spitfire libraries like Albion One and Tundra, which had similar and in some cases exactly the same articulations, albeit recorded with fewer mic positions and players. Comparing some of the samples to their direct equivalents in other Spitfire libraries, the ones in Hans Zimmer Strings have a slightly quieter noise floor, well, at least for the close tree and outrigger mics anyway. Obviously, it's impossible to compare the other mic positions included as there are many more in Hans Zimmer Strings. And that's kind of the point of this library from a sound point of view. The many and varied mics, crazy articulations and obscene number of players means that you can build up string sections that are unique to you and they're completely detached from a real-life orchestra. I've got to applaud that kind of thinking and I think that's going to create some really interesting combinations of strings and timbres as people start to get to grips with the library. So Hans Zimmer Strings is launching in a brand new interface for Spitfire, it's one that they've developed in-house and I'll have a look at that specifically. The interface is very slick looking and mostly functional and intuitive. I did like the long faders, the spot mic stereo spread function and a few other controls on there which were common to uh, some engines that I'd used before but it was nice to see them all together. You can change the size of the interface quite easily and I did appreciate that, that's going to be useful for people on big systems or small screens. I did also like the preview feature, you can hear the articulations before you choose them and it's nice to be able to save and load mic preset options. There's help text available when you hover over controls and information about the presets and you can easily change key switch positions, all of this was good stuff. Having said that, there are quite a few cons and also bugs in version one of this library. So I'm gonna run through some of those. I'm gonna do it quite quickly because some of these will be squashed, hopefully within the next few months. First off, it's a massive library and you may find yourself juggling system resources to keep it running smoothly. There's definitely going to be a trade-off for some people between the amount that's loaded into RAM as a buffer and your hard disk speed. Did it run smoothly for me personally? Well, mostly, but not entirely. Even though I was streaming from SSD with 32 gigs of RAM, I was waiting around 10 seconds for some presets with just one mic position loaded and it did crash a couple of times on me. There's been a lot of chat about articulations and microphone positions not being consistent across sections. That is the case. Nothing that particularly bothered me, to be honest, because I'm not trying to create an authentic orchestral mock up with this product. But uh, I guess if you are trying to do that, it is going to bug you a little bit. Legato is definitely problematic and it's essentially broken as a version one of this library. I did find that some samples haven't been played that consistently, especially with these short articulations, and some other ones do suffer from too much noise. It's also annoying that you can't exclude specific round robins to get rid of this problem. The shorts, well, they're not quite short and tight enough for really fast playing. There is a tightening control which you can use on the interface to uh, cut a little bit further into the sample, but if you're really going to go for fast, dark night kind of spiccato's, you're going to have trouble. With the interface, there's way too much clicking and scrolling around to access articulations and mic positions. Really, with the size of that interface window, you probably could have put everything on one screen. There's no need for multiple menus. When you're changing articulations from the main menu, you do have to reset mic positions as well. I spoke to Spitfire about this. It's something they're looking into. For the patches with more than one articulation, it's not possible to purge specific articulations from the set. Again, they said they're gonna check this out. You will need to boost up the volume of some of the quieter articulations as I did find them unnecessarily quiet. Now I don't know whether they haven't leveled these out because the noise floor is going to be too prohibitive but uh, I'm having to bring up the gain to hear a lot of those articulations. You can stack articulations in one instance of an interface very much like adding multiple instruments to one version of contact and you can transpose one or more of them as well that's quite handy but I have to say this function doesn't really work very well. As soon as you start moving between articulations, it forgets that you've stacked things up. Also, you can't assign the same external MIDI controller to more than one fader or dial. For example, this would have been handy for moving dynamics and vibrato at the same time. As a version one of this instrument, it's not possible. So what's my conclusion? Well, I wanted to give this library a very fair chance as, trust me, there's plenty of people looking to knock Spitfire off their pedestal at the moment with this new release. Truth be told, I did come away with mixed feelings. I don't feel like the Hans Zimmer moniker is really justified here, although there's much in the way of lovely long strings, there are lots of his trademark techniques missing from the presets. It may well be that he's moved on from the boombastic flourishes of Pirates the Caribbean, but there's lots of people who'd love to be able to recreate that sound straight out of the box and with hands in the strings they're going to have trouble. The sound is mostly really gorgeous but there are quite a number of ropey samples. They don't really spoil the party but I wish you could exclude them with some round robin editing. The new engine and interface has its problems at the moment and it's largely a disappointment beyond the basic functions. I'd like to see RAM usage improve with a lighter set of patches or more purging options, but I can understand why Spitfire chose to take the playback engine in-house and not be beholden to native instruments. There are certain advantages of this in the future, possibly. Maybe they'll be able to use it finally to offer library demos. Here's hoping. However, at the moment the design hinders rather than helps the end user and there's way too much clicking about to get some really basic things done. Full price for this library is £700. Is it worth that at the moment? Well, probably not if you already have a good collection of existing Spitfire strings, as the sound is close, but not identical. Further down the line, once the bugs are fixed, I don't think anyone who can afford it is gonna be disappointed by this library as long as they've got a good enough system to run it. Just don't expect hand Zimmer right out of the box without putting a bit of effort in.
1: Free VST.
0: Let's go through this week's freebies, and there are a couple of great ones. Every year around the time of the Game Developers Conference, Sonus releases a big bundle of their effects, completely free, and you can use them in any production you want to. This year is no exception, and it's a massive 30 gigabyte download. You can straight up download it, or you can even torrent it via the link in the show notes. Big Cat Instruments continue their plundering of old sound font collections and converting them for use with Contact. The latest two are Saxello and Ocarina, and there's a whole bunch of other ones on the Big Cat site. Head there via the link in the show description. I don't think you'll be disappointed.
1: Developer update.
0: couple of significant developer updates this week and the first one is Syntronic Deluxe. I reviewed the standard version of Syntronic back in SampleCast 51 and pretty much loved everything about it. IK Multimedia have just released five new synths for this based on a Moog, Roland, MonoSynth, Korg and a couple of modular synths. So that's 18 gigabytes of new sounds and 500 presets. If you already have Syntronic, you can upgrade for $100 or there are cross-grade options as well. Or if you don't have Syntronic at all, you can download the free player and pick and choose the individual synths that you want. There's more info at the IK Multimedia site. I'll put people's eyes on people, I'll put them 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 Toontrack have added a new module to their Easy Keys collection, sampling a Rhodes 7 electric piano. You can also use the engine to blend in sounds from a sampled xylophone, marimba and celeste. My first thoughts were, Jesus, another Rhodes collection, but after listening to some of the interesting blended presets and soundscapes, I came away with some new ideas. At the moment you can get a free midi pack as well with this purchase, so do check out the info on the Toontrack website. Thanks so much for downloading and listening to the podcast. Don't forget if you're just listening to the podcast and not watching the YouTube show, you're just getting half the information. Head over to YouTube and you can see all of the sample libraries that I'm chatting about in action. I wanna say a quick thank you to Facebook friend Wolfgang for sending me the Muppet Treasure Island music at very short notice and thank you to everybody who's listened and tuned in for 70 shows. If you're new to the show, go back and listen to the old ones. If you've been with us from the start, a massive thank you. You don't know how much that means to me. It's really appreciated. I'll be off for the next uh, couple of weeks and we'll be reappearing probably towards the end of April time. In the meantime, head to the Samplecast website where you can catch up on all the latest information and you can follow us on Facebook. I'll still be posting the odd bit and bob over at Facebook over the next couple of weeks and I will see you very soon. Bye-bye now.